morning. Welcome to Youth Sunday. It's a little bit different than uh, previous Youth Sundays where we've just been on a retreat or on a missions trip. Uh, This is more like a youth service Sunday. Uh, This is kind of how we usually run services. And usually in our youth services before the message, uh, or sometimes we'll do it at the very beginning of service, we'll have a time where just everybody stands up and like hugs each other and says hi and like greets each other with like love. We need to wait until they collect all these, hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, go. But in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you guys to just stand up and look for people that you don't know or that you haven't seen in a while and give some people some hugs, like, like spread some love, spread some, some joy and some Christ like around the room. And we're ready. Go. Make sure you get up and hug somebody. All right, 15 seconds. Whoa. That's pretty awesome. Everybody back to your seats. The lighting crew is getting annoyed. It feels good. It feels good to, uh, to love on each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up. Before I get into the word word, I want to start with a question. Who in here has ever built something? Like you've built like, I don't know, like a tree house or maybe you built something with Legos or a fort or a castle. Hands in the air. Like hands in the air. Wow, this is like almost all of us. I was trying to think of something that like girls build and I was asking Steph, I was like, so what's, what's something that like girls build? And she was like, well, we build wardrobes. And I was like, I was like, all right. But then I started thinking about it, and like my kids, my, my, my kids are like five, about to be four, and two, and like they, they build out of everything. Like I bought, there's this huge sale on Kleenexes at Kroger, and I bought 10 little boxes, and I came down, and they like rearranged them into a house. And uh, we, just, we just love to build. There's just something about building that just feels so right, you know? Like when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to build a fort. And have most of you built a fort? Forts? Yeah, forts are awesome. And uh, the worst thing, the worst thing is when you built an awesome fort and then you go, like, go outside and play or you go to a friend's house and you come back in and your parents have taken your fort down. That's the worst, right? <laughs> now, now I'm the one who does it to my kids. Like they built, they built this incredible fort while we were gone uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Like we were, we were, we took a weekend away and they built a fort that took up a whole room. 
I mean, it was like amazing. And they were like so excited. I mean, they'd hung like sheets across like the art to the windows. Like they'd had help. But uh, cause yeah, they're, cause they're little, but we were just like, wow, this room's gone. Like we can't use it for anything. But uh, it's just something, something that feels so good about building. It's because God has designed you and me and all of us to be builders, to be builders in his kingdom. But it's more practical than when I say in his kingdom, that kind of sounds like it's something you're supposed to do in here, but it's really like an everyday in your life type of thing. Before I, well, last service, I preached last service, in case any of you didn't know. Yeah. There was a service before this, and uh, and before that service, I, I mean, I was like, I was concerned because I, I usually have all these notes that I have, but then I usually just give the message just as God is providing it, and uh, and I was trying really hard to do it right, and um, I sort of felt like I was falling apart, you know, like God actually really spoke and did a whole lot, but I wanted it to get to get to here, but it's all about what God wants. And earlier, like I was I was in the bathroom and I was holding these notes, and I just heard God say. To me, like basically audibly, he was like, he was like, I want you to listen to me this hard tomorrow (laughs) as you are right now. I want the words that come from your heart to be coming from your heart. The words that come out of your mouth to be coming from your heart all the time. There's a story that that the first service didn't get to hear. Hey, y'all are special. We'll see how it all goes. But uh, there's a story uh, that I heard recently about this, this pastor in California named Bill Johnson, who was doing a, a Bible study. And he had this atheist that came to his Bible study. And he would just, for, for weeks after weeks after weeks, he would come and he'd sit and he'd argue and he'd debate. I mean, it was an open thing. Like they were in a, a public place, but they would just like debate. And they were, they were, this has been months that this guy had been coming and they were like in this debate together. And like, he felt, he felt God say to him, he felt God say, tell him that, that I love him. And so like, just, just out of nowhere, he, like Bill stopped and he looked at the guy and looked the guy in the eyes and he said, you know, Jesus loves you. And it came right from his heart and everything stopped. Like the guy stopped, like everything stopped and like God's presence fell. And then Bill realized that that worked and he said it again. He said, Jesus loves you. And as soon as he said it the second time, like it was in his flesh, it was like, this worked. And as soon as he did, it broke. And like the guy started arguing again. It's all about what you say coming from your heart and being, being brought to you from God, like through your heart. Like everything else, the same exact words, they don't matter unless if they're coming from your heart. So that was the, that was the precursor to the message. We are builders. You and I are builders. And everything that we're building has to be coming from our heart. But how do we build? Like, how do you know how to build in God's kingdom? There was a prophecy that was spoken over this church a few years ago by a man named Kent Henry. He said, it was so funny. It's like, as he was saying, he was saying, we are, he was, he's like, he's like builders, 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 building, buildings, building, builders, building, buildings, building, building, builders, building. And like, I was listening to this going, what? Like, why is he saying this so many times? But you know, it's like stuck in my heart. And it's stuck in a lot of other people's hearts because it was God speaking. We are builders building buildings, building builders, building, building, building. God is all about building. He's all about building. How many of you are builders? Are you, I, guess, I guess most everybody raised their hand like you've built something. In order to build something, what do you have to have? You have to have tools, yes. 
You also have to have the material. You have to, you have, to have a plan, right? You don't just, you don't just go, I'm going to build a house today. Go outside and, God, I need everything. You know, like it just doesn't work like that. Like you have to like go, I'm going to, I'm going to need to like pour a, a foundation. I'm going to need to, how much money am I going to need? I'm going to need to get this, this wood. I'm going to need to have these tools. Like you've got to have like, you got to have stuff worked out because building something is intentional. It's intentional. And God has been building you intentionally for a long time. And it's time for us to start intentionally building in his kingdom. So how do we do that? This is actually more open of a forum than, than you would imagine. Like somebody could have yelled out, I'm going to keep preaching though, but, uh, and, and tell you, tell you how, but if I ask questions, you are allowed to answer. This is like youth group. Um, this is what God revealed for me. And I believe for all of us, uh, cause, cause we're his people. Uh, and it actually came through the mouths of my children in a little song that they sing. But this is the verse that it is. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And they sang their song all over our house for months. Encourage one another and build each other up. Build each other up. Build each other up. And then they like go like all over the house, like singing this over and over, just the same like thing over and over. And it just got down in my heart that the way that we build, the way that you and I build in God's kingdom is through encouragement. And that's a really, really, really foundational cornerstone thing to understand. Encouragement is not a nice piece of the puzzle. It's foundation. It's building. If we're going to build in God's kingdom, we have to be encouragers. And builders have to be intentional, which means we have to be intentional encouragers. That is good. It's awesome. Intentional encouragement is, is key. It's foundation. And you know what's so crazy? Like, so crazy is in America, which is a nation founded under God, you know, in God we trust, in America, the statistic is, for every one word of encouragement you're likely to hear, you're likely to hear six words of criticism. Yeah, wow. For every one word of encouragement, you're likely to hear six. I come from a very encouraging house, which means that I'm probably like throwing the curve a little bit too, which means that some of you might be hearing 10 or 12 or 15 things of criticism before you hear even the smallest little bit. You know what criticism does? It tears you down. The world is tearing you down. And not only that, it's glorifying it. You know, like we have TV shows that are all about getting like, like watching somebody and then judging them guilty or like wrong or whatever. I don't watch too many of these shows, but uh, like, I know there's like American Idol and there's what, what else is there? There's like X Factor and The Voice and Dancing with the Stars. And you guys can probably name more than I can. Um, but it's just, it's just sad. Like criticism is all around us. And yet God's calling us to be encouragers to be encouragers in the kingdom because encouragement is so vital. Another thing that the first service didn't get to hear, you guys are just getting it. It's awesome. 
is that your words have so much more power than you realize. There's several different examples, but there was a study that was done that my wife was telling me about. I was trying to tell her about a different one that's similar, but this is just like crazy awesome, where they grew these these like plants inside of these like water jars, and they took the same seeds from the same groups, and on on some of the jars they spoke they spoke life into the plants. They were like, "You're going to grow. You're going to be beautiful. Like you are going to to flourish." And sure enough, those plants did. And then in the other jars, they 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 said, "You're going to die." You, you're terrible. You are ugly. You can't do anything right. And you know what? Those plants grew up twisted and nasty and rotten. And then they wrote the words on the jars and didn't even say them. In some jars they wrote, you are like all around, like circling the jar, like you are beautiful. Like, like the light of the Lord is in you, like shining on you, like they have the sun and all that. Anyway, but, uh, it's just like the power of words is so valuable. The power of your words when spoken through God is the most powerful thing on earth. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but the power of your words not spoken through God still has power. But it's not, it's, not, it's nowhere near the same place. But when you realize that God's intentionally calling you to encourage, intentionally calling you to lift up, intentionally calling you to build his kingdom, you can start to make a change. You can start to make a difference. I know that one of the main things, one of the main, uh, what's the word, uh, reasons why people don't is because they feel, they feel like they need encouragement, you know? Like, I would love to encourage more people, but nobody ever says anything to me. Doesn't God see that I need help? Doesn't God see that I need, I need some encouragement right now? Now, there's a difference in that and, like, literally, like, being in the midst of a storm. And it's like, God will send you encouragement. I could tell a story about that, too, but I'm not going to. You can ask me afterwards. The thing is, his word says in Proverbs 11.25, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let me say that again. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Not those who are being refreshed by others get to go out and, and refresh. No, no, no. It's you go refresh others. You go encourage others. And in doing that, you will be encouraged. You will be refreshed. There are very few things in the Bible that are like, this is how you do it. You know, it's like we know how to do tithing and off, like tithes and offerings. Like we know how to do like a few things. And this is one of those few things where it's like, if you need encouragement in your life, if you're, if you're sitting there going, nobody ever encourages me, guess what? God's telling you exactly what to do. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Get it fake tattooed on your arm <laughs> or something. Like get it in your heart, in your spirit. Encourage others. Like pour into others and God will pour back into you. It's awesome. One of the most encouraging people that I know is one of the most encouraged people that I know is Kevin O'Day. Like I can count on him like every week to send me an encouraging text or two or three or four. And it's awesome because like God just pours into him, pours joy and life into him. It doesn't mean Kevin doesn't have any problems because he does. We all do. But Kevin's one of the most refreshed people that I know. Because he's constantly refreshing. It's awesome. Encouragement, encouragement. As we encourage, we build. Yeah. Wait. 
Ooh. Okay. We might not get to, get to do all the stories. We'll see. Who knows? Um, here's one thing that I observed, though, as I was thinking about encouragement this week. Encouragement for a lot of us, for me uh, especially, has been kind of like a really powerful tool that I had that I just left in the garage, like for the whole day. And then like from time to time, I go, oh, you know, I need to encourage. I go get it. Like, like let's say it's a chainsaw or something like that. And, you know, I'm called to be building all the time. So I should be like cutting things down and like getting the lumber or whatever. And I get this chainsaw and I come out here and I do a little bit and then I put it back. Like my example for this is it, it's kind of like we treat it kind of like either like a ribbon cutting. It's like where somebody's done something really great and you like go up and you like pat them on the back and you're like, that was awesome. You know, that's encouragement, but that's like, that's just barely scratching the surface of, I think, what God's talking about. Like, he wants you to be building the whole way, not just like, hey, I'm, I'm here at the end. Great job, stand. <laughs> you know? Don't tweet that, Scott. <laughs> it won't make any sense. I love your tweets, though. Like, Scott tweets throughout the message, in case any of you don't know. He tweets for the whole world, like the important points that he thinks are important. The other thing that I see, though, a whole lot with encouragement is really like haphazard, unintentional encouragement. We had a neighbor when I was growing up who lived at the front of our neighborhood, and they always had a project going on. They never finished a project, except for this one or maybe, uh, yeah, this one where they had these steps. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll back up. Like, I remember them vividly building, like, the framework for an extra room behind their house. And that framework stayed up for a year? Just the frame, just the wood. And then at some point, they took it down, and they used some of it to build, like, a mailbox, and some more of it to build these steps that led up to a pool that ended up being, like, a cesspool because they didn't pay any attention to it, but probably because the steps ended up, like, curving like this, Toward the very top, it was kind of like stepping on like the wrong side of the board. Anyway, the point is, is that oftentimes our encouragement is just like, here, have a little bit of encouragement today. Like you're not intentionally thinking about like what you're doing. Like you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go encourage that person. You know, like, and you do it once and then it's done. Kind of like at the grocery store. Like you just say, hey, you have a really great smile. Like that's a nice thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But God wants you to be building, building. You don't build like piecemeal here, piecemeal there. I would never hire a builder who is like not going to tell me when something was going to be done and just be like, well, yeah, we, we do, we do, we'll do that. We'll get around to it. You know, you'd never do that. You're called to build. So how do we build? Like, how do we build? How do we, how do we be intentional about encouragement? Because it's kind of, it seems, it seems to me like it's kind of nebulous. It's like we know how to like say somebody has a nice smile, but what is, what is like intentional encouragement? What does that really look like? What is intentional encouragement? And God brought me to this passage in Philippians 1.6. It says, I am certain that God who began the work within you will continue to work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. For all of you who are in this room who are saved, you may think in your brain that one day you just decided to get saved. Like you woke up and you're like, 
God is right. And you came and you gave your life to the Lord. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, except that this says that God began the work, which means that God was intentionally planning each step to get you to there. And you know what it says? It says he will be faithful to complete it, which means he's been planning each additional step for you. He's very intentional about how he treats you, and he wants you to be intentional about how you treat him and how you treat others. The problem is our self. Our self gets in the way. Like I just said a second ago, like I made the choice to give my life to the Lord. I made the choice to go to Africa. Actually, I didn't when I was a kid. But some of you, like, I made the choice to go on that missions trip. I made the choice to to teach that Sunday school. I made the choice to do this. I made the choice to do that. I made the choice to, to choose to go to that baseball game instead of going to that church service. I made the choice. I made the choice. I made the choice. Like, I, I, I. Me, me, me. And we start cutting God out, whether it's in good things or bad things. We start cutting him out of our lives. I know I'm guilty of that. Guilty. One thing that God really hit me hard with this week was Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. It says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. All my life, or most all of my life, I don't really remember when I was two, but most of my life, I've tried to be perfect. I've tried really hard to be really great. And to be quite honest, this is one of those verses that I kind of pushed to the back because I believed that, like, I should show everybody that, like, this is how you do it. This is how you live for God. You know, like, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be less than perfect if I didn't have to be. Does that make sense? I hope I'm speaking to some of you because this is, oh, maybe I'm just speaking to me, but like, I I just believed that. But as God was like speaking to me this week, he's saying, no, you are bad. This word, the human heart is the most deceitful is used two other times in the old Testament. And the other times it's translated corrupt. I don't know about you, but most of you know, like, the word corrupt means, like, beyond repair. Like, deceit, deceit, you know, like, you can work with, but corrupt beyond repair. Our hearts are beyond repair. And it says, who really knows how bad it is? Do you know who? God. Not you, not me, not anybody else. We have to let God into our hearts and submit to him our desires. And as we do that, as we submit our desires to him, he takes care of the rest. And I'll, I'll like give you the thing that blew me away. As I was like thinking about this and talking through this uh, with some, some different people, this, is, this really, this idea just blew me away. Because it seems like the desire to teach Sunday school is a good desire, right? You're like, I know this is a trick question. It seems like the desire to 
you know, whatever. Feed the homeless is a good desire. Take care of the widows. These seem like good desires. And it seems like, you know, me wanting an iPad or me wanting a different car or me wanting this or that or whatever. That seems like that's a bad desire, right? Well, God kind of blew me away this week by showing me that all the desires in my heart, all of them are bad when they're not in his hands, when they're in my hands. Every single desire, whether it's to teach Sunday school or to go to the Titans game, it's all bad in my hands. But every desire in my heart that is literally fully surrendered into his hands, whether it seems good or bad to the outside world, if it's in his hands, it's good. It's truly good. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Because we have a lot of stuff that comes out of our hearts. A lot of things that come out. The point is that we surrender them into God's hands. That's hard to do. You know how you do that? Confession. It's a scary word. Confession, open-heartedness to others around you. Me pretending that I'm perfect for you doesn't help you, and it doesn't help me. But me open-heartedly telling you that, like, I like to do things for my own glory, and I don't have it all together, and I have problems at home, me openly telling you things like that, that's open-hearted, and God can work with that. God can make you realize that, like, you're not alone either, that you're not supposed to have all your stuff together. You're just supposed to have all your stuff surrendered. You're just supposed to have your whole life surrendered in his hands. And we cannot do that unless if we open up to each other. Unless if we give it to him and open up to each other. And you know what opening up to each other is? It is encouragement. It is building his kingdom. It's profound. It re- at least to me, it's totally profound. Opening up to each other is his kingdom. First, or Philipp, first Philippians, first and only Philippians, chapter one, verse nine says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing or building or growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. I want to pause right here. How can we live a pure and blameless life? If we're corrupt, God's already told us we're corrupt. God's already told you your heart is corrupt. He knows. Don't pretend for us. I can't pretend for you any, like in front of you anymore. Like I'm corrupt. But surrendered into his hands, I become pure and blameless in his sight. Surrendered in his hands, I can keep being built for his kingdom, for his glory. On my own, Guess what? I got nothing. I, uh, I have this app on my phone that does like Bible stories um, for the kids. It's like a little children's Bible. And this week we were listening to a story uh, that I've heard a thousand times. It was a story of the prodigal son. I was listening to this story and I just started crying. Like the prodigal son's gotten me before, but it was like a whole new like revelation on the same story that I've heard my whole life 
of the prodigal son. I was listening to the story, and for those of you that don't know or just need a little refresher, I'll, I'll do it fast. I'll do the children's version. Like, there's a son. He lives with his father. He has everything. He has all he needs. He has all that he could desire, except he's dependent on his father. So what does he do? He asks for his inheritance. He takes it, and he goes off, and he lives the way that he wants to live. How he wants to live. You know what he took? He took his inheritance. Like, he took, he took good things. I mean, money is, is what I've always derived. But as I was listening to this story this time, I was thinking, you know, you know what God gives? Like, he gives, like, love and joy and mercy and peace. Like, he gives us all this stuff, and then we take it, and we go, I got it. I got it from here. I got it, God. I will take your joy and I will spread it my way for your glory, God. But it's really not for his glory because it's in our hands. And at some point in our hands, you go bankrupt. In your own hands, you're going to go bankrupt. And I was sitting here listening to this story and I was just like getting overwhelmed because I was feeling like, like this is all that God's like been speaking to me. I was like, God, God, God. It doesn't matter how hard I try on my own trying to do good things trying to do things for the youth group, trying to do things for my family, doing it right, doing it on my own, I'm going bankrupt. And at some point, I'm going to be broken. The young man ends up broken, like with the pigs, like wanting to eat what they're eating, just going, you know, I don't have anything, so I'll take, I'll take garbage. And you know what? A lot of the world lives on garbage. Weirdly enough, God created our body to be able to live on garbage for a little while, probably so that he could win us back because he's waiting, because he is waiting. But he's living on garbage. And as he's living on garbage, he thinks, you know what? Even the servants in my father's house, even the servants in my father's house have it better than this. I'm not worthy. And that is the starting point for all of us. Like, I'm not worthy, but maybe he'll accept me back as a servant. You know, when, I, when I'm thinking about myself as being worthy, I start doing it for myself, whatever it is. But whenever I realize that I'm not worthy. So the son gets up, he starts heading home, and it says that when he was even a long way off, the father saw him and went running to him. And what I really loved about this children's version is the son, the son starts saying, he's like, you know, father, I, I blew all the money and, and I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your servants. And this little children's version just straight up said, the father said, no. Like he's not interested in servants. He has plenty of servants. He's interested in sons and daughters. The father said, no, you are my son. He had them slaughter the, the fattest calf. He had them throw a party. Like the father like restored back into his life, like all the things that were missing because the father's got it all. But it took him reaching that point of brokenness where he was willing to go back to his father and everybody else and go, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have it all together. I couldn't, I couldn't invest it. I couldn't anything like it's, it's all gone. And then him taking that open transparency back to God and God going, you're mine. You know, we have, we have a lot of great stuff that goes on. Like a lot of great stuff that goes on in this place. But it's all worthless 
if God's not in control of it all. And what I want you to take in right now, like into your heart, is that you are a builder in the kingdom. But you're not the builder. God is the builder. He has to build through you. In order, or he's going to build through you. In order to do that, you've got to be open, open-hearted. Open hearts connect for God. Open hearts change lives. Perfectness is actually a huge affront to God because he is the only one perfect. He's the only one that can hold it all together. But surrendered lives... Surrendered lives look a lot different than anything else on this earth. Surrendered lives change lives. So I want to ask you, what's God building with you? What's he building, like in your heart? And in case you missed it, here's the deal. Like the desires in your heart, God knows about. He created you to have those desires. Now, some of them may have gotten twisted, you know, but literally, like, He created you with your desires. And He wants you to take those and put them in His hands and be open with His people about it. Because that's encouragement, that's life changing and revolutionary. You know, it doesn't matter. I have kids who want to be professional baseball players. I have kids that want to be dancers. I have kids that want to be chefs. Like I have like the whole gamut. Those are desires in their heart. And it's awesome because a lot of them are being open. But what's terrible is that I realize that like the further a lot of people get in life, the more they just give up on those desires. The more they just try to hold on to the little bit that they've got. You know, if the son, if the prodigal son had taken like what the father had given him, like if Jesus had wanted to make it a much longer story, like he could have taken some of that and invested it and lived further and longer, you know, away from the father. But it would have been death, like slow, torturous death. And you guys all know it. The only way to have life is to come back to God. And to surrender your desires into his hands. And you can't do that, or it's very hard, I, I don't, at least I don't understand how you could do that, without telling, without being open, without confessing. Confession doesn't just mean like, these are my sins. Like it is, it is your sins are part of that. But confessing what's in your heart. And giving it to God with your brothers and sisters is so encouraging and is so powerful. And it's what God's calling us to do. We're builders building, buildings building, builders. We're building, building, building. But we have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Unintentional building is terrible. The world looks at it and makes fun of it, like we did for my neighbor long ago. Like he was a joke. And Christianity to the world is a joke if it's not real, if it's not intentional.
So don't, don't hide in your heart and try to be perfect when you're in this room or when you, when you're with your, your Christian club on Tuesday nights or whatever, like that's not the place for perfection. There is a place for perfection. It's in heaven. Here we're supposed to be intentional encouragers, intentional builders. If I could have the people who sing or somebody who sings come up, that'd be great. And uh, anybody who, who can pray, who's like pastoral staff or elders, if y'all come forward. Uh, I want to take this time right now, just, just as God's moved in your heart, whatever it is, like be open, be open with either the people down here or the people around you. Let your lives be changed because it doesn't really matter what I say. It matters what God says and what he's saying to you right now and what he's saying to you to do. Like I really could care less if like this, if me turned out well. What I really care about is, is what God speaks into your life and what he speaks into my life. Because that's what, that's what really changes us. That's what we really have to listen to. So yeah, yeah, come on. They were sleeping. I'm just kidding. I don't know what they're doing. But I hope you're not sleeping. If you guys will, uh, will stand and we'll, we'll sing. And just if you need prayer, if you need change in your heart, in your life, if you need encouragement, come down. Come down to the water 
say this, I guess I'm going to. There was one thing that I highlighted in my notes, and I have very, very few things highlighted, but I feel like it's really important to say, is it's really easy to feel discouraged when you're doing good deeds in your own strength. And if that's a place that you've been in, where you've been doing a lot of good deeds, but in your own strength, you've got to surrender those to God. Because it'll wear you out, and it'll burn you out. But all your deeds surrendered into His hands will build you up. So I don't know if that's for just one person or for several people, but in his hands, it's where it's all got to be. If you uh, if you would raise your hands, speak a blessing and encouragement over you. May the God of peace and love build you up. May he be the one who directs your path. May he be the one who draws you close and may you be open to being vulnerable to him and to those around you. In Jesus' name, amen.